Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me on the line, as always, Eric Kareen. Eric, what's up, man? Not too much. Just living the uh, the indoor life, as are many of us. Although somebody, I can hear somebody outside uh, shooting around. I, I think it must be on his or her own net because they uh, taped up the courts across from me uh, uh, in the park today. So Yeah, I've seen wood over top of rims. Nets tied. I'm not sure why they don't just take the rims down. Because uh, most. Maybe that's more work. I don't know. I mean, it's almost certainly more work, but most of them are detachable. And in fact, in some parks, I've seen them, especially before the brouhaha last year about rims being like not enough courts. They took rims down like at six or seven in the evening to prevent uh, ne'er-do-wells from destroying them and, and hanging and hanging on them in, uh, in the nighttime when all illicit activities happen. Yeah, because, you know, if you take away basketball, everyone's just going to go inside instead of doing something else. And, exactly. You, know, you don't want them to have a productive way to use their time and their energy. No, but right now, now you actually should go inside and do something else. Yes. No, in this case, yes. <laughs> a, a year ago, the argument was that that was dumb and bad. And now it's probably necessary. Um, none of us have. I mean, I guess you could just like run around dribbling as long as no one else is on the court. I don't know. It probably doesn't seem like the best idea to those of you lucky enough to have a uh, hoop in your driveway. Appreciate it, I guess, because I'm getting tired of running and doing like YouTube yoga and boxing classes. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on the yoga and uh, Orange Theory uh, videos, and it's trying trying to do these with Walter in the house. We've had to we've had to quarantine him some of the time. Uh, Sub quarantine. To, yeah. Quarantine within the quarantine. A meta quarantine. Damn, poor Walter. Walter should yeah. get in on it. We know that he's struggled with his weight in the past. Wow, wow, he's just a he's just a chunky boy. It's true. Who among us? <laughs> Who among us? Um, what else has been going on, man? I, I know we've both been getting a little bit of content up, but what else have you done with the time? Yeah, well, uh, I've been playing my brother in Scrabble online, so there's been that. Um, I, I had a big win uh, earlier in the day, but uh, uh, those are rare. I'm still getting used to the whole timed sessions thing. Um uh, which is the only tolerable way to play it, of course. But uh, my family grew up on on taking as long as you want, and my mom would take like twenty or twenty five. No, that's that's extreme. But she would take like ten minutes on a turn sometimes when she was trying to work out a bingo. And uh, I'm apparently still scarred by that. <laughs> um, uh, I want to update a previous I item. I watched uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and the first uh, Godfather movies. So I've now there seen those. What um, did you think of the Godfather? Uh, good movie. Um, I think I know why they did it. I think the spo Godfather spoiler alert coming. Uh, the most of the subplot with him in Italy uh, can probably be taken away. Um, not all of it, but most of it um, uh, I would do without. But obviously very good, and Pacino is awesome in it, uh, watching his transformation. Uh, Suggesting the Godfather should be shorter. Dan Reynolds just lost his fedora listening to this. <laughs> Listen, it's a bowler's cap. Yeah, um, that's true. 
Yeah, I don't really have a good Dan Reynolds, Dan Reynolds impression, so I just tried to sound like a like a know-it-all uh, or something. You um, have also been trying to melt down Canadian Twitter with your Canadian 90s rock bracket, which I believe is in the final four as we were. Yeah, we're this. in the final four. Uh, I All forgot one what seeds. Y- what a terrible... Yeah, I forgot... Well, I forgot what year it was that it was the first time ever that all one seeds made it to the final four, but it's like that. I mean, you can say it's terrible, and for lovers of upsets, that's certainly the case, but you can also complement the bracket construction. It's your choice. Yeah, the committee did well. (laughs) Um, There are people, I I think justifiably, so if for some reason you're, you're, I, I I, I'm guessing this will go up on Wednesday morning, so you'll still have time to vote in the two semifinals that are on my Twitter feed, uh, the Tragically Hip versus Sloan, and on the other side, the Bare Naked Ladies versus uh, Blue Rodeo. And there are some arguments to be made that Sloan should have been on the opposite side of the bracket to the hip, but when yeah, you just Yeah, that feels lo- like the final. That feels, like, feels like UNC. That feels like the final in terms of Twitter... And I know this poll is being conducted on Twitter, so maybe I shouldn't have analyzed it so hard. But I think when you look at certainly success at the time and sales uh, at the time, they Sloan was like the fourth number one seed based on that. Now they have a longevity case to be made and a relevancy case to be made for sure. And uh, I think if I were doing it over again, I would swap them and Blue Rodeo. Uh, so that it would have been the hip versus blue rodeo and BNL versus Sloan, and and you let it go from there. But listen, we probably know which way this is going to end, regardless, and and nobody nobody remembers second place. Yeah. Well, in following up your '90s Can Rock bracket, I'm going to do a early to mid 2000s Can Con pop punk bracket of yeah. like 16 bands no one's ever heard of and each one will get like three votes. That'd be great. Well, at least Treble Charger could be in both. There you go. That like cuz Treble Charger those... a one seed and then everyone else is like an eight seed. We get that <laughs> heated uh cauterized versus handheld battle. <laughs> Maybe it's me and and Detox I, I think are pretty legit pop punk albums or that's at least the direction they were going in uh after they got involved in in managing some 41's career there you go um we are not going to talk about music for this whole podcast we are eventually going to talk about basketball even though there is no new basketball to talk about you are probably aware the tsn and sportsnet have been re-airing the entire raptors finals run uh the Raptors on nba tv canada have also been airing a fan voted top game from each year which flows nicely from Eric Kareen's piece last week at The Athletic uh, ranking the best games of every season, which you can check out by going to theathletic.com slash we the six. That's the number six and get 40% off a subscription right now. Uh, in going through the rewatch of the playoff games, I haven't watched every single one. I've turned in, tuned into a couple of the big ones, but I also rewatched the, the finals run before this point. So I didn't uh, wasn't as itchy to do a third run. Um, we are going to talk to someone, though, who lived that even more intimately than we did, was on the call for some of those biggest moments. Joining us on Raptors Reasonableness momentarily will be Raptors color commentator and analyst, Jack Armstrong. All right, we're joined now by Jack Armstrong, color commentator and analyst for the Toronto Raptors. Join us from Florida. Jack, what's going on, man? How are you? Uh, doing great. Just uh, hanging out, uh, kind of hoping at some point in time we're back uh, doing NBA basketball and uh, talking Raptor playoffs. and. 
But as we all know, unprecedented times right now and a lot of prayers for a lot of folks right now. That's more important than than uh, anything else at this stage of the game and people's health and uh, and safety. So uh, prayers and lots of fingers st- uh, crossed and knock wood that uh, things start to settle down and we get back to some degree of normalcy sooner rather than later. As we were recording this, uh, we just saw that uh, John Tory, the mayor, announced that there will be no major events, whatever that means. I haven't seen the definition in Toronto until at least the end of June. So uh We'll see where this goes. As you said, unprecedented times. Uh, tell tell the people what your story has been since uh, you last called a game. Were you in the? You, was it a TSN game in Utah? Uh, I did the game uh, on TSN TV uh, in Utah, and then chartered back, and then immediately flew to Florida because we didn't have another game for four days. And obviously, as you know, everything broke, and immediately went into self quarantine, and then. Uh, a few days later, after everyone had tested positive, uh, tested negative, thankfully, um, I was told by uh, the folks at, at Toronto Public Health that uh, just to practice uh, social distancing and keep a low profile, which is exactly what I've done here the last three weeks as I'm, I'm still here. Um, and uh, it, it's been, as it is everywhere, really quiet. Have you been able to get your runs in still, Jack? Are you allowed to go every out and mo- run outside? Every, every morning. So that's the good thing, and particularly being in Florida, the great thing I've been trying to do uh, between five and seven miles every day. I almost got up to eight miles a few days ago, so that's been fun. And, uh, you know, at least when you're wearing a T-shirt and shorts, that's fun. I know when I go home, I'm going to have to pro- throw on a, probably a hat and gloves, but uh, the fun thing is at least be, be at home. T-shirt and shorts is uh, a lot more clothes than Leo tends to wear when he spends his time in Florida, I guess. <laughs> well, he's living the life, you know. I, 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 I don't uh, I don't walk around like that, but he can get away with it. Um, obviously, both TSN and Sportsnet are re-airing the uh, Raptors playoff run from last year, all 24 games. Uh, we're speaking to Jack on Tuesday, uh, in which Game 7 of the Philadelphia series happens. Not sure if anything memorable happened in that one. Uh, by the time most people hear this, uh, the re-airings will be on to the Bucks series. Uh, so I guess what really stands out from for you from that series as a whole? Uh, to me, um, the game itself, Game 7, Eric, was the single most intense game I've ever been involved with in my 22 years in the NBA in terms of just how hard both teams played. It wasn't a pretty game, far from picturesque. No. Uh, but the competitive spirit and the energy and, and the effort both teams play, gave was amazing. And, you know, the three guys that had to ref that game, that's that's as difficult a game as you have to officiate as well. So I compliment everybody involved. I mean, it was that it was that uh, dramatic and that intense. And obviously, we all remember the shot by Kawhi. Uh, as I reflect on the series, it was a challenging matchup because of the length and athleticism of the Sixers. The great job Marcus Gasol did uh, in the Joel Embiid matchup. Uh, the fact that, to me, uh, you know, we focus so much on Game 7, we forget a little bit about what an amazing win 
game four on the road absolutely healthy it was and you know when you when you look at the fact that uh the raptors won seven road games in the in the march to the the finals uh, and, and to win the whole thing you know seven of the 24 wins seven of the of the 12 excuse me seven of the 16 wins in the playoffs were road wins and i'm always i'm a big believer uh you look at the raptors this year third best road record in the league you look at the Raptors the last few years, they have continually been one of the elite teams in the league in terms of road record. And you don't win a title without being able to do that. So, you know, looking at that series, that road game four win and how masterful uh, Kawhi Leonard was in that game. And then on top of that, you know, Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol, and we and we saw Nick Nurse go big in that game and change the narrative, slow the tempo down. Uh, those are a few things that jump out at me. Jack, looking at the whole playoff picture as a whole, I guess I guess first of all, what's it been like trying to you know do your your TV hits and your analysis from a, from a hotel room? That's a that's a big adjustment, I'd imagine, for a guy who thrives so much on the energy of the people around him, like you do. Well, I'm not in a hotel room. I have a condo here in Delray Beach. Oh, so perfect. That's the that's the good thing. Uh, but the uh, but no, nonetheless, it, it's it's different. Uh, doing studio work and shows uh, is a totally different experience than being immersed in the game as an analyst, whether you're doing TV or radio. Obviously, TV radio work is dramatically different as well in terms of how you call a game because of, of what people can see or if they can't see. Uh, so you, you, you adjust your, uh, your analysis based upon that. Uh, but, you know, studio work uh, in a studio with other people and do, doing it like this where uh, you're, you're just basically looking into a phone, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a new experience. But nonetheless, uh, it's a new frontier and, and the world we live in right now uh, we're, we're dealing with things on a daily basis that we've never dealt with. So, uh, you know, needless to say, I'm fine doing whatever is needed of me. Is there a single game coming up that you're most looking forward to getting to rewatch and kind of reanalyze? Uh, I would say, Ooh, you know, everyone points to game, um, three where the Raptors against Milwaukee, where the Raptors were down 0-2 and they won in two overtimes. Uh, and that was that was a, a remarkable effort. Uh, the game five to me at Milwaukee was was just immense. Uh, Mo- I, Milwaukee was a tremendous team last year, and they're a tremendous team again this year. And, you know, you, you scratched and clawed your way back into the series. Uh, but, you know, now you're going on their court and you got to win three, a third game in a row, that's awfully tough. And yet, as I mentioned, those seven road wins the Raptors had in their march to the, to the championship, that to me uh, stood out along with game four in Philadelphia as like, oh my goodness, this could really happen. And, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard during that game was just absolutely cold-blooded, surgical, and ruthless. And, and then Fred Van Vliet late with his shot making. I, if I'm, I don't have it in front of me, I think he made seven threes in that game, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, my, and, and this showed, in my opinion, a little bit, and just talking to friends that are Buck fans, the stubbornness of Mike Budenholzer 
not adjusting his coverages whatsoever. And the Raptors just gladly staying behind the three-point line uh, because they're such a paint protection-oriented team defensively. Uh, they wouldn't change. And now suddenly they're down 3-2 and have to go back to Toronto. So that's a game. And I guess uh, all three road games at Golden State, uh, you're playing the champs. Uh, you're pl- and I understand that, you know, they had issues with injuries and all that. But to, to win all four times you played the champs, regular season without Kawhi, and they had their full team, by the way, and the Raptors blew their doors off and embarrassed them at home. And then to go there three different times, and obviously the, the biggest one being game six and, and winning a title after not being able to close the deal in game five at home, those all, they, those all jump off the page of me. And it's interesting I mentioned them, but they're all road wins. I think, I think back to game four against Golden State, and I think – I would have to say that's almost the most impressive win of all of them. Uh, just because like they got off to an awful start that game. I believe that's the one where they just weren't scoring at the beginning. Other than like Kawhi had 14 of 17 points in the first quarter. And they just stayed totally composed and ended up running away with the game. And, and, you know, and you, you heard the fans up in uh, Oracle, Oracle Arena, uh, give sort of serenading them, but I, I want you mentioned both Game Four against Philly and Game Five against Milwaukee, and they certainly stand out as you know huge road wins on uh, the path to their to their ultimate championship. But they're very different games. Like Game Four, for the most part, against Philly was the Kawhi show, but as you mentioned, Game Five you have Gasol hitting big shots, you have Fred hitting big shots, you certainly have Kawhi making plays, but. It was more of a of a united effort. Uh, so, I guess what I want to ask is: Did something after getting by Philadelphia? Did something fundamentally alter about this team? Because they certainly were more well balanced after that series than they were before it, and specifically in the Philadelphia series. I, I think Eric, uh, what what happened was. You know, and I, I think they could have won game one in Milwaukee. And it looked like it was a team that was almost a yeah. little, and I'm not saying this as a joke, but a little hungover from all the euphoria of beating Philadelphia. Yeah, Kyle and Lowry was, was great in that game. Yeah. Uh, and he just couldn't will them over the finish line. Yeah, and it was just, and, and then game two was kind of an aberration where this has been a really good defensive team. And yeah, game uh, you know, they had a few games in the Philly series where the defense led up a little in game one against Orlando, but over, overwhelmingly they were very good. And, and to me, I, I think that that was the thing that jumped out at me was yeah. uh, that they just came together and they were just so much uh, in belief of what they were doing and, and knew how to go about it. And I, I think that a lot of that, I mentioned Mike Budenholzer, being a little stubborn, I think on the other hand, uh, the flexibility and the uh, just the the partnership and the collaboration between players and coaches and coaches and players uh, that Nick Nurse created that environment that um, made a significant difference in terms of that they really kind of solved the mystery of what the Bucks were and just got better and better defensively in terms of their entire approach. 
Jack, in terms of that collective learning and, you know, the experience they gained and the ways they improved over the course of the season, before this hiatus here, how much had you seen that in the DNA of this year's team? Because obviously they were beating expectations. They were hanging in there through a lot of injuries. We don't know yet how it'll look in a playoff environment. Uh, but did you notice, you know, especially the guys who were still on the roster for, from the championship run, that kind of growth that stuck with them having gone through it? No, I, I, I'm, I'm super impressed by it. I'm, I'm just so impressed by their maturity and, and their collective understanding of, of what's expected, you know, and what's role definition, knowing your role, accepting your role and re, and, and respecting everyone else's. And I, I, what's chemistry. And I think so much of it is, is that they have that together. They have just a, a sense of, expectations they have a sense of of what their scheme is and 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 the philosophy of of the coaching staff and uh, i think the coaches have a greater sense of what these guys can and can't do and therefore it it makes such a, a significant difference in terms of how they play and even though you don't have Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green i would argue right now that uh you look at Danny Green and you look at Norm Powell, uh, I think Norm Powell, based upon how he's playing, when he's been healthy this year, has been an upgrade on Danny Green. And when I look at OG Ananobi, as we just went from the All-Star game on, has played defense at the elite level of a Kawhi Leonard, and his offense has improved significantly. So uh, I look at this Raptor team, now who knows if we'll – play again or not I don't have any idea your guess is as good as mine uh, but I, I really see a lot of the same uh, things in play that we saw a year ago the difference is who will make those defining shots that Kawhi made is there enough of that on this team I don't know no one knows right now um, I think we're coming up to the last question here and obviously the great unknown is if and when uh, we, the season will get started up again. And we, if it does, we do not know the details. If they would go right into the playoffs, if there would be a tournament format, what would it be? The one thing we do know is there will be a long, long layoff in between. Uh, do you have any, have you put any thought about how that would affect a team like the Raptors? Obviously, they should be healthier, which, which would be, you know, all things considered. Uh, good news for the team's capabilities. But other than that, do you, have you put any thought toward that? Well, as you know, the other five top teams in the East will be healthier too. Yeah. So how does that impact them as well? Uh, I think a lot of it comes down to uh, the circumstances as well. Like, uh, it, it, let's say there is playoffs. Uh, is it going to be best of three, best of five, best of seven? Uh, you know, does... Will the chemistry of learned combined experience be beneficial to one team over another? Uh, because theoretically, you could be thrown into the fire immediately. And who does that benefit? Uh, it might not benefit talent as much as it does uh, savvy and guile uh, and know-how and sixth sense. So... Uh, and, and the other thing is going to be the challenge for every team, uh, just the conditioning element of it. 
Uh, are you better off with younger players or older players? Uh, which guys' uh, commitment to fitness are greater than others? Which guys need the structure of that to help them uh, really excel, whereas other guys are self-starters, as we know? Uh, I don't know the answers to any of that, but I do think the benefits the Raptors have, and, I, and, and as you mentioned, e, they will be healthy. Uh, I think the one benefit they're going to have is chemistry and know-how and role definition and a, a great coach and a lot of confidence, not only from what took place last year, but uh, the residue of success that has taken place over seven years. And I think all those things are good institutional knowledge to have going into something that none of us have ever gone into, and let's hope we do. Yeah, that's well said, Jack. I, I would agree with you there that the, the chemistry holdover, as much as you can kind of get that back quickly, um, you know, those teams should should stand a benefit. And, and I think no matter what, you know, you kind of can't doubt this group of Raptors. So if things get back uh, underway, I think I think most people would maintain their optimism or the same level of optimism they had about them uh, prior to this hiatus. Jack, thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Guys, my pleasure. And 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 be safe and be well. And I, I look forward to seeing you soon and, and being able to spend a lot more time talking hoops. And uh, I think when we're doing that, that means we're all in a better place. Thanks, Jack. And best to you and your family. And hope everybody is safe and healthy and all those good things. Thanks, and I'll, I'll try to get my 5Ks up to five miles, Jack, so I can keep up. <laughs> I'm impressed. Keep doing it. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Jack. All right, that was Jack Armstrong, color commentator and analyst for the Raptors. You can keep up with his recalls and his reanalysis of those things as the Raptors continue to play, uh, replay their NBA Finals run on TSN and Sportsnet. And again, theathletic.com slash we the six. You could go back and find out. Uh, I mean, you could go back and check out our coverage if you're watching these games for the first time or you want to read our stuff for the first time. You can go to Eric Kareen's recent piece uh, ranking the top games to watch from each season as the Raptors on NBA TV Canada continue to do that. Uh, if you are missing your Jack Armstrong fix, you can go to hellojack.ca and get some hello gear or get that garbage out of here gear. Uh, Eric, we're going to look back a little bit further now, although I have a feeling that your answers to these questions are going to be uh, skew heavily toward recent years. Um, coming up at theathletic.com on Wednesday, and again, theathletic.com slash we the six. That's the number six. You can get 40% off a subscription right now. Coming up on Wednesday, Eric Green has a piece looking at the best Raptors to wear every jersey number. Um, now, the Raptors having only existed for 25 years, some of these jersey numbers are pretty thin. There are not a lot, you know, once you get once you get past 55, there are actually only three players. Uh, so we're not covering the the same span of jerseys here that baseball or, or hockey and especially football may. Uh, but the Raptors' history, with certain jersey numbers at least, is pretty interesting. Eric, I don't want to give away too much from this because obviously we want to drive people to the site and some people may be listening to this before they've seen the article. Uh, but I guess I'll start off by asking what the most difficult number to choose a best Raptor to wear it was. Uh, well, there, there were two different kinds of difficult, right? Like there were, was like, oh, these were two like very good players or three very good players and it's hard to choose between them. And in one case, and I believe that is number 77, 
I knew uh, it. I had it open. <laughs> Choosing between Jake Voskel and Julian Stone uh, was no easy task. Um, but uh, I'll leave readers in suspense or, or listeners in suspense for which way I went there. Um, a spoiler, it's totally petty, my reasoning for that. Uh, so something had to break the tie. Uh, the most difficult ones, I would say, were number 20, uh, Damon Stoudemire and Alvin Williams. Uh, Stoudemire has like the raw stats. Edge of course, and the and- importance. Uh, And, you know, him winning Rookie of the Year in his first season, in the Raptors' first season, uh, people in their first seasons, those tend to be the players that win Rookie of the Years, as as you know. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I I think that was like some very early validation for fans, and that mattered a lot. Uh, On the other hand, like Alvin Williams had hit the biggest shot in Raptors history for about 18 years before last year happened. He had three really good seasons where, like, he wasn't putting up the numbers, but he was uh, a much better defender than Damon was and a, you know, a part of more winning than Damon was. And that, you know, is as much context of as anything. But I, I found that a legitimately difficult choice. I ultimately went with uh, Stoudemire. Would you disagree? No, I think that's the right call. Uh, I'm hoping you went with Julian Stone and the number 77 pick. Um, I'm not going to spoil that one, but, uh, but, uh, stay, stay, keep your eyes open. Yeah. There are also three players who got automatic bids by way of being the only players to have worn a Jersey and two (laughs) of them must've been painful. One is Dan O'Sullivan who only played five games for the Raptors. Um, like after a year in the CBA, somehow he played 139 minutes over five games uh, in the Raptors extension year. <laughs> Pardon? And then was cut. <laughs> like, yes. like, how do you play that much and then you're just cut? <laughs> yeah. Uh, number 92, Lucas Noguera, the only one to wear. No problem including him in the team. But then I'm guessing you would have had no choice but to include Haydu. Uh Yes, the only Raptor to wear number 26, Hido Turkoglu. And I'll read you the blurb now. Unless you'd rather pick nobody, which would be defensible. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. The the most oh I guess before I I have a procedural question for you. Yeah. Number zero and number double zero were they one number or two separate numbers for you? Two separate numbers. Ah, unbelievable. Well, that's this so the is the same number. I agree, but could both could both not be used at the same time they on could. the same team? So. I mean, then I had to consider them separately. I don't like it. Um, the toughest on paper, with like before you get into the names, uh, number one and number three both had 14 different yes. Raptors wear those jersey numbers. I believe, without going into detail on each one, I believe the history with those two numbers is very different. Um, one, there, was, there were really only two candidates and really only one real one and that would be the first player to wear it tracy mcgrady like chris childs wore it after him and he had a nice little career before uh sure that ended in uh something not good (laughs) but 
uh, if you look at, you know, who's worn the number since then, I don't have the basketball reference page open next to me. Uh, oh, I do. Okay, so what, hit him with it. Hit him with it, Blake. Hit him with it. Tra- Raptors to wear the jersey number one. Tracy McGrady, Chris Childs, Chris Jeffries, Rod Strickland, Omar Cook, P.J. Tucker original version when he was a second-round pick, Primoz Brazic, Roko Ukic, Jarrett Jack, Justin Dentman, Dominic McGuire, Jason Thompson, Patrick McCaw, and Paul Watson Jr. Wow. Uh, so, as you can see, not a very difficult choice. Uh, number three, the other one you mentioned, I thought for a while about giving Kyle Lowry the spot. and Yeah, give him two numbers. Uh He's like been ha- 10 times as good as most Raptors. Give him two yeah. numbers. I mean, I could only include the one season he wore number three, four. And of course, that's because Andrea Bargnani was the incumbent number seven there. And uh, I-, I thought about it. But, you know, that was the year he sort of juggled minute, juggled a starting spot with Jose Calderon. That, you know, ne- wasn't necessarily the right decision, but it was a thing that was happening. Uh, he just did not have the same level of efficiency uh, as he would later have. And thanks to uh, OG Ananobi's third season, this current season, and also his rookie season in which he had some pretty big playoff moments, uh, notably the three-pointer in game three against Cleveland. But he he was very good in that series overall. I, I thought he deserved that one. Um, uh, the, uh, question for you on the number three. Yes. Will OG give it up when the Raptors eventually bring Nando DiColo back over from Europe? Because they do still have his rights in restricted free agency. Will OG give the jersey number up? Uh, he'll probably say, yeah, it's cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, go, DiColo it's doesn't cool. wear that number overseas, so it's probably fine. Yeah, the other really tough one, uh, I would say, was number 24, the battle between Morris Peterson and Norman Powell. Uh I I I gave it to Peterson for longevity's longevity purposes. Norm's but, getting up there though. But Norm Norm is getting up there. They're remarkably similar in that like they sort of were inconsistent throughout their careers. Mopey battled some conditioning issues, uh, let us say, uh throughout his career, but he had like a few really memorable playoff performances. Uh game six against Philadelphia. Uh, in the uh, in 2001, and then Game Five against the net, then New Jersey Nets, he he came off the bench to have his uh, to have a big game in what I believe was his second last game as a Raptor. Um, and Powell obviously has had a massive playoff performances of his own. So I, I think we're in a situation that if the Raptor if this season happens and the Raptors make a run, uh, and Powell's a big part of that, he could be past Morris Peterson by the end of the year. But I had to sort of uh, give the lean on longevity to break what's actually a pretty close uh, close race between the two. These are the tough questions our job requires us to to tackle sometimes. Though. Yeah, it's no, just, it's, it's very difficult it for is. us right now. We yeah. should be the, the shooting people. guard position, a much richer history for the Raptors than the small forward position, which I went back uh, and did a look through uh, on Tuesday at The Athletic. Less less good in the small forward position. We will save that discussion for maybe another time on the podcast, but you can obviously go to theathletic.com slash we the six if you're not already a subscriber, or just go to theathletic.com slash raptors 
if you are and check that out check eric's jersey number piece out check out a bunch of content that we'll have coming and have put out uh, hopefully it's doing at least a little bit to keep you occupied or kill some time or whatever you however you want to phrase consuming non fresh content i guess i don't know how to word what we're doing right non-game now non-game related content i, I would yeah. say a lot of look back i'd imagine our the job that we've done the last couple of weeks is maybe easier for writers who cover teams that are historically good but probably less funny yeah um I had, I, had a com- I had a commenter in the section for uh, my Raptors Wizards piece, which is also up on the, we've referred to it on the podcast several times, the really strange history of the Raptors playing the Wizards. Uh, yes. It, it having been the anniversary of Morris Peterson's, a lot of Mopeat today, uh, absurd three-pointer uh, off the Michael Ruffin toss in the air. Um uh, what was best about that game is Morris Peterson played just 55 seconds <laughs> in, the whole, in the whole game. Um, but I had a commenter saying, like, I actually became the fan of the Raptors right after the Rudy Gay trade with the Kings. I was like, oh, that's fortuitous timing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah wow, the worst thing you went through was one sweep at the hands of the Wizards. Yeah, yeah like, newsflash, the Raptors used to be really bad. Or, or yeah, they certainly were really bad and, and at other times just consistently bad. <laughs> well, thankfully, they're not there as much anymore. Uh, we have some content up about the good times as well, looking at things later in the week like Pascal Siakam's growth in the number one option role. Um, you know, some other stuff coming. Take a look back. Last week, I wrote about Dewan Hernandez's recovery from, quote, one of the worst sprains ever. Uh, so if you are more interested in the current Raptors than the historic Raptors, we got you covered there, too. Uh, we will be back on this podcast to talk to you about something next week. We'll f- we'll figure out what. Um, can't imagine there'll be a ton of news by then, but uh, we'll keep going. Eric, any parting shots before we go, man? Uh, just stay safe, everybody, and be smart. And remember, you're impacting other people as well as yourselves with uh, the decisions you make and... Uh, Yeah, so just keep that in mind, and hopefully other than that, people can find ways to uh, do things that fulfill them and and stay on the good side of of the ledger, or at least as positive as they can. It's, uh, you know, no need to minimize. And if you're feeling bad, even if you don't necessarily have a reason to feel bad, don't minimize that either. Like, maybe don't dwell on it, but you can acknowledge it and and because this is difficult in one way or another for pretty much everybody right now yeah save your dwelling for things like great big c being robbed in eric's can 90s can rock tournament uh guys thank you so much for listening we will talk to you again next week eric thanks man thank you see ya